church, let's just stay in that place for one more second to, to reflect just for a moment on the name that is above every other name. Bible says there is one name under heaven given unto men by which we can be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. His name is, his name isn't just higher. His name is highest, right? Let's worship the Lord. God, we bless you today, Lord. Right now, Father, as we prepare our hearts to receive your word, we give honor to the name that is higher, the name that is greater, the name that is stronger than any other name. Your word unfailing, your promise unshaken. All our hope is in you today, Lord Jesus. Not some and not most, but God, we say today, all our hope is in you. And now I pray, God, that you would begin to open our hearts if they're not already opened. Prepare our minds and our ears to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church as you are seated and take your seat today. Oh man, what a great start to our season of Advent. Um, Thanksgiving, hopefully you had an amazing time uh, with those you love. Uh, Many have college students home. How many have college students home? College students are with us in the room today. So nice to have our boys home with us and celebrating Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm excited for today. I'm excited to be kicking off a brand new uh, teaching series that we'll explore for the next four weeks of church life. But before I do that, I just want to add on um, something to the Christmas spectacular uh, thought. Uh, maybe a little bit more in the monitors, just a, a tad, guys. Um, so last Sunday, we had Breakthrough Sunday. How many were here last Sunday? Come on, it was awesome. Praise God. Many of you raised your hand last Sunday indicating that you felt God did something in your life. And I believe that sometimes a breakthrough Sunday is just the beginning of what God is going to do to move in our lives. And I know that I believe that God set in motion many things last Sunday. I had the distinct honor of meeting a young lady who came to church on Sunday. And I just want to tell you very briefly her story because I think it connects to how God can use you uh, to, to open up eternity for somebody. Um, after the second service at 11 a.m., Breakthrough Sunday last week, uh, a young lady came to the front. And she, was, she was just overwhelmed. She was a mess. She was crying. She was anxious, nervous, just the whole thing, just overwhelmed by the presence of God in her life. And as she told the story, this was, it was her first Sunday at church, and she really didn't have much of a, a background in church. Maybe, you're, maybe this young lady sitting here today, welcome back. God is working in your life. Young lady, I'm not going to tell you her name, but she told me this. This was what just kind of gripped my attention. I wanted to share with you. She said, this, this is talking about last week. She said, I was scrolling through Facebook, and all of a sudden, she said, I saw your face. Now, that's not always a good thing for all of you if you see my face on Facebook. But she said, I saw your face. And she said this, she said, something drew me to it, the video. Now, I know what that was. That was the person and work of the Holy Spirit in her life, but she didn't at the time realize what God was doing in her life. But she said, as I scrolled, I stopped on that video, I saw your face, and I was drawn. And she said, something drew me to come to church this Sunday. That was last week. And she gave her life to Jesus last Sunday. Why? Because of the seed of the word of God in social media form. She saw a video scrolling, just scrolling as we, many of us do. 
She was drawn. You've heard me say for a couple of years now, I believe that the Holy Spirit is drawing people to Jesus through the work and ministry of GT Church. And she is one example of that. And I want to encourage you, <clears throat> as you think about the outreach of the Christmas Spectacular, I want to encourage you also to use social media as a way of spreading the opportunity for people to come and have an incredible night, an experience with their their friends and family, and have a presentation of the gospel. You never know, friend, how God will use your social media feed, you sharing those events and those posts on our, our Facebook and our Instagram, go onto our, our pages and share those using your spheres of influence. <clears throat> Use your friend circle and send that out and spread the word about what God is doing here, GT. You never know how God will use to, save, to change the eternity of just one person in your life. So I, again, I want to encourage you all the different vehicles and avenues of spreading the word, but make sure you're also using social media. I was freshly reminded by a, a girl whose eternity was changed last Sunday of the power of using social media for good. Somebody say amen in this church today. All right. So um, <clears throat> as I said, I'm going to be starting a brand new teaching series today uh, called Hope Has Come. And I want to talk with you over the next four weeks about why we believe Jesus not only is the hope of the world and he has come, but he is the hope for you and me. I don't think that I have to do a lot of explaining or or uncover a lot of information for you and I to agree together that sometimes in our world, hope is in short supply. Whether you're looking at the world stage around us, the the events of the world, all over this world, there's unrest, there's political unrest, there's war, there's, there's difficulty all over the globe. Whether you're looking at the world stage or whether it's your own little corner of Berks County, I think you and I can agree that there are many in our world who are hungry for hope, hungry for the hope of the world. And so I want to take a couple of weeks and talk about that. We're going to explore one single passage. We're going to look at a bunch of different scriptures today, but all of it is rooted in and launched from a prophetic prediction that was given 600 years before the birth of Jesus. Many of you know the name Isaiah the prophet. Uh, He has one of the longest books in the Old Testament, 66 chapters. Um, He gives what I think is one of the clearest prophetic predictions about the Messiah, about Jesus, that would ever be written in the history of mankind. I'll get to that in just a second, but we're going to use that verse as a launching pad to examine four different aspects of the Messiah over the next four weeks. But I think you and I can agree that we are not always good at making predictions, right? Like, how many of you are doing well with your fantasy football right now, making predictions? Right? If Come on, anybody? Matthew, how are you doing in your league? Okay. Yeah, so-so. Because the NFL has been filled with upsets this year. If you, does, any, does anybody never watch NFL? Raise your hand. I'm sorry for you. Yeah, a lot of you don't. Wow, okay. All right, but for those of you who love sports, I'm here for you, okay? So, um, but if maybe you're an investor, maybe you've been trying to predict how the stock market will react, or maybe interest rates. So you and I are not very good at predicting the future, But there is one who can predict the future with accuracy, right? His name is Jehovah, God Almighty. And he has given us in his word many prophetic predictions about the Messiah. In fact, many scholars believe that there were over 300 specific prophecies fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Many of them written 600 to 1,000 years before Jesus was ever born. Prophetic predictions about Jesus, the Messiah. 
And we're going to look at one of those today that I think is one of the clearest. But before we do that, let me just give us a kind of a working definition of hope. I want to take four weeks, talk about hope has come, Jesus our hope, the season of hope, Christmas, right? And so I want to give us just a simple working definition of hope. Some would define it this way. Again, I think hope is a feeling we all probably can maybe wrap our mind around the feeling of, I I feel hopeful for this. I hope that this will happen. I hope that my situation will change. I hope this, I hope that. Hope is often a feeling, but let me put some words to it. It's the idea or the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. When you and I say, I'm hoping for a better tomorrow, we're believing with expectation that the best is yet to come, that the the events that I have, the circumstances of my life, if they're difficult, can get better tomorrow. Somebody say amen, right? That's a confident expectation of the good to come. That's what hope is. It's a, a belief that good is around the corner. It's a reasonable confidence that something good can come in my future. Uh, the psalmist says this in Psalm 33. I love this passage. It says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. Interesting. Now, God is aware of all. God is om- omniscient. He knows all. He knows every human on this planet. But there's a particular knowing that God has for those who fear him. The, the psalmist says, The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. If you're here today and you hope in the steadfast love of God, the Bible says God's eye is on you today. God is in your corner. He has not forgotten your plight. That he may deliver their soul from from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. Some of you, let me just give an encouragement from last week. Some of you are still waiting on the Lord for your breakthrough. And if you remember last Sunday, I gave you two simple encouragements from the words of Jesus in the parable in Luke 18. If you're still waiting on God for a breakthrough, what do I do? Always pray and never give up. That's what Jesus said. If you are waiting on the Lord for your breakthrough, what do you do? Always pray and never give up. That's what Jesus said. So the psalmist said, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. The Bible throughout invites us to put our hope not in things, not in money, not in people, not in circumstances, not in a career, not in a company, not in coffee. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Our hope is in God alone. Many of you know this verse, Isaiah 40, verse 31. For some of you, this is probably like a life verse for you. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and not faint. And I got that backwards. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That word in the Hebrew, that word that says, they that wait upon the Lord is kavah. And it literally means to put our hope in the Lord while we wait on him. And so some versions, if you read different versions of the Bible, some say they that hope in the Lord, and some say they that wait upon the Lord. Both are right. Neither is wrong. Neither is better than the other. Those that wait upon and hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. If you are weary today, if you are feeling weak and exhausted, how can you renew your strength? 
Put your hope in the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Always pray, never give up, and he will come to your rescue. So how does this connect to Christmas? How does hope, this whole thing, how does this connect to this season of Christmas? Many call it the season of hope. How does it all connect? Let me kind of make the connection for you right now. The Apostle Paul, in one of his letters to, to Timothy, who's a young pastor in Ephesus, writes these opening comments and his, in his kind of his, his opening words to Timothy. He said this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. Paul identifies that Christ is our hope in this world. He is the hope of Christmas. He's the hope of the, the, the world. He's the hope of our lives. And hope has come. This is going to be a Christmas series. And, and we're going to look at, we're going to dissect one verse in the Bible throughout the next four weeks. I hope that you'll commit to being here every one of these weeks because I believe that there's a different facet or dimension of Christ, our hope that God wants to unveil to you and reveal to you over the next four weeks. So I hope that you'll plan to be here. So what is that verse? This is the verse that I'm talking about. Isaiah chapter nine, verses six and seven. This is what God's word says again. This was spoken by and then written down by the prophet Isaiah. Most scholars think about 630 years before Jesus was born and put in a manger. This is what Isaiah the prophet said. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name, we just sang about the name of Jesus, right? His name will be higher his name will be greater. This is what Isaiah said 2,600 years ago. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. Today we're going to unpack what it means that Jesus was predicted to be a wonderful counselor. Next Sunday, mighty God. The next Sunday after that, everlasting father. And then the week right before Christmas, prince of peace. I hope that you will come every Sunday and allow the spirit of God to minister his word to you because I believe that God wants to fill your life with hope. Amen, church? All right, so let me jump in today. Why does it give us hope that Jesus is a wonderful counselor? What does that even mean, wonderful counselor? Some versions, if you read them, they have a comma. He's wonderful and he's counselor. Most versions say that he's a wonderful counselor. Let me, so when it says wonderful, the, the word actually is the word Pele, um, not the soccer player. Is that a soccer player, Pele? Right, yeah, so I got that right. So, um, But it, it's, it means marvel, extraordinary. It literally can mean hard to understand. Can anybody agree that sometimes God's ways are hard to understand in our lives that, you know, the Bible even says his ways are higher than our ways. They're, they're beyond our ways. We don't always understand how or why God is doing something or why, how or why God permits something in our lives. That's part of the wonder of God is that he is beyond our ways. He's extraordinary. Counselor, of course, uh, applied to Jesus to advise, to consult, to give counsel, to give purpose, to devise a plan. So let me give you four reasons why I believe looking at Jesus as the wonderful counselor gives us hope here and now in our lives today. Number one is this, if you're taking notes. Again, just a quick reminder, um, you can, again, scribble on pen and paper, but if you have a, a phone, you can download the church app. 
And on the church app, uh, there's a place where it says message notes right at the top. And if you want to follow along with any given Sunday's message, you can write down the answers to the blanks and um, write down your own thoughts. And at the end of this, the notes, you can email to yourself. And then you'll have a copy of whatever it is that the Lord showed you during the message as you listened to the Word of God. So just, again, a tool for you to use to help you grow in your faith. So number one, here's the first reason why Jesus, as a wonderful counselor, gives us hope. If he is a wonderful counselor, then he is available to give us assistance in our time of need. Now, I'm going to read some scriptures today that, that use the name God or say Lord. I want, I want to remind you that in this church, we believe in what we call a triune God, that God has revealed himself as a father, as the son, and as the Holy Spirit. And many of the, 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 the attributes of God's nature can be applied to all three. There are certain things that are distinct to the Holy Spirit and distinct to the Son and distinct to the Father, but some things can be applied to all three as God in three parts. And so when I read this text, I want you to also imagine that these are things that Jesus is to us today. Psalm 46, verse 1. Amen to that. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Friend, you cannot afford to live life without Jesus any longer. You know, how many, how many of you would call yourself a fixer-upper at home? Raise your hand. Come on. Raise your hand. Come on, be proud. If you're a fixer-upper, you're a do-it-yourselfer. Raise your hand. Like, that's me. I love to fix things. I love to tinker. I love to try to, to repair things. How about, how many of you would say you're a risk-taker? Raise your hand. Lucas, your hand better be up, son. <clears throat> now... How many of you are both? That's a bad formula sometimes. <laughs> because if you're a do-it-yourself fixer-upper and a risk-taker, you tend to take risks that aren't always intelligent, right? I've been doing that for many years in our home improvements and different ways. I've, I've taken risks of doing different home improvement projects when assistance should be useful or, or called upon, I've tried to hold it on my own. You know, you know, if you're like, you're trying to hold a piece of drywall above your head and screw it in at the same time, that's a risk that you shouldn't take. Come on, brother. I see that hand. How many know that there are times in this life where it's good to ask for help, where it's good to ask for assistance? Do not attempt life alone. The Bible says in Psalm 46.1 that God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. If you are in trouble in this life, why are you doing it alone? Why are you not inviting the God of this universe through his son, Jesus Christ, to help you in your time of need? Jesus, as a wonderful counselor, is available to help you and give you assistance in your time of need. He is the hope of Christmas. He's the hope of the world, and he can be the hope of your life. That's number one. As, an, as a wonderful counselor, he is the hope that gives you assistance in your life. Number two, if Jesus is a wonderful counselor, then he is available to give us comfort whenever 
needed. Now, I, if, if, the, if the comparison isn't already obvious to you, many of you in, in your life have sought counseling at some point or another. You've gone to a counselor. Hopefully, you've gone to a Christian counselor. You've gone to a therapist. Maybe there's a, a trauma that you've been trying to work through in your life. Maybe there's been some situation in your life or there's been abuse in your life. I'm so sorry. There's things that you work through. Maybe you're just trying to understand yourself better and you're trying to unpack the past or your childhood. Counselors can be a great benefit to people. Many people listening today have been to counselors. That's a good thing. But I want to tell you today that there's a counselor that's different than all the others. And his name is Jesus. And he's the counselor. He's the, he is not just a wonderful counselor. Because there may be wonderful counselors even in our own community. Jesus isn't a wonderful counselor. He is the wonderful counselor. And he gives us assistance and he gives us comfort. Many people turn to counselors just for comfort. They're like, I've got, I've got some circumstances. I've got trauma. I just need to be comforted right now. Can I point you to a different comforter? Again, I'm not telling you to stop what you're doing, but can I show you the ultimate comforter? Jesus' own words in John 14. Here's a nugget that wasn't even part of this message, but if you love me, keep my commands. Can I remind you, child of God, that one of the greatest evidences in your life that you truly are a child of God is that you keep his commands? That you honor and obey the word of God as it really is God's word to you? One of the greatest evidences that you are a truly a follower of God is that you keep his word. Not my words, Jesus' word. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you ever, forever, the spirit of truth. You know, that word advocate, there's an interesting image that Jesus is painting. The, the Greek word that Jesus literally uses when he gives this teaching he said that the Father will send the parakletos with you. Now, the parakletos is a Greek word that has a visual image attached to it. What that literally means is when Jesus said, I'll send you a helper, it means that I will send you the Spirit of God who will literally come to your side. There's a, it's a word picture that Jesus uses that the Holy Spirit, again, Jesus' presence on earth, Jesus is our hope, and he sends the Spirit of God as his representation on earth. And Jesus said that I will send you the parakletos to come along your side, to come to your aid in a time of need. In fact, some versions, instead of saying I will send an advocate, they literally say I will send the comforter to come with, to be with you. And some of us in our lives need the comforter to come and give us comfort and to come to our side in a time of need. And again, friend, I would challenge you today. Too many people are facing the adversities and the afflictions of life without the comforter along their side. The Holy Spirit has been sent back to earth by Jesus to come alongside of you to give you comfort and assistance in your life. Jesus is the hope of our lives. Number three, not only is he here to give us assistance and to give us comfort by his spirit, but if Jesus is a wonderful counselor, listen to me carefully, church. If Jesus is a wonderful counselor, then he is available to help us heal the matters of the soul. Again, I, I, 
I'm, I, we encourage people sometimes to go to counseling. We, we have a list of referrals that we send people. Say, you know what? The, the, we can provide pastoral counseling. We want to direct you to the word of God and pray with you and meet with you and provide pastoral care to, to our congregation. But there's sometimes that people have some situations and trauma that they will benefit from professional counseling. But there is a, a counselor that heals the matters of the soul in a different way than any counselor on this planet can heal. Last Sunday, we had Breakthrough Sunday, and we believe God for healing in our bodies, but there's a healing that goes deeper even than the physical being. Let me, again, present to you the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This, hear this, friend, as an invitation. Again, much of God's word to you is an invitation to come to the the hope of the world. And these are the words of Jesus. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's, again, here's another word picture that Jesus gives. He's depicting for us someone who carries a burden and a weight. Come to me, all you who are weary, tired, worn out from the troubles of life, Come to me, all who are burdened by the weights of this world. He basically is saying, you bring those burdens and weights to me, and in exchange for giving me your burdens and your weariness, I will give you rest. Jesus said, come to me, not some. He didn't say, come to me, many who are burdened. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your soul. Jesus has a rest for your soul that you will never find in another person. You will never find in any other place that rest for your soul. He goes on, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. Wouldn't it be nice to lay your head down every single night of your life with a rested soul? What would that be like, church? You know, we, you know especially, it's, it's ironic, isn't it? Christmas, we, we, we think of this season. Many say, oh, the hustle and bustle of the season. Isn't it ironic that we observe and, and reflect on Jesus, the hope of the world, Jesus who gives us rest for our souls, and we do it in the midst of a hustle and bustle season? When we're, we're, we tend to be busier than ever in December, Jesus can give you rest for your soul. Even after a long, hard, grueling, busy day, you can put your head on the pillow at night and have a soul that is rested. How do I do that? I come to Jesus with my weariness, with my burdens, and he will give me rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, some of you, many, many of you are maybe battling something in your life. There's physical ailments that we, we sort through, we work through. And again, what do I do when I'm waiting on the Lord to renew my strength? I always pray and never give up. But there's an unrest that we have sometimes that's internal. And you know what I'm talking about. You, many of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one, but many of you have had trouble sleeping at night. You've battled insomnia. You've battled a restless mind at night. And I want to just invite you to receive the invitation that Jesus gives to all. Come to me, all who are weary 
and burdened and I will give you rest. And I'm believing today and maybe prophetically speaking over some of you that tonight you will have the most restful sleep that you have had in a long time. Why? Because you've heard of the invitation that Jesus says, I am a wonderful counselor. And if you bring your burdens to me and you bring your weariness to me and you bring the burdens of your soul and you give them to me, I will give you rest for your soul. And wouldn't it be nice every night to lay your head on your pillow at night and to have a rested soul? Now, I, I think I have a gift. I, this is, uh, let me set this up right. So there, there's a Kramer gene that some of us have that we have the ability to fall asleep in like 30 seconds. Anybody have that gene? Come on. Anybody married to someone with that gene and you just get mad every night when they're snoring and you haven't even closed your eyes, right? I have that gift, right? I can fall asleep pretty quickly. But I'll tell you what. If I have a busy mind, I'm not going to fall asleep so quick. If I'm carrying a burden in my soul, it's, it takes longer. Some of you know that. Jesus says, come to me, you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest for your soul. If Jesus is indeed the wonderful counselor, he gives us assistance, he gives us comfort, he gives us rest. And the final thing that he does Jesus gives us direction in our lives. Many people today turn to counselors for direction. They turn to counselors for healing of their soul. They turn to counselors for comfort. They turn to counselors for assistance. That's, that's okay. That's all well and good. But don't do that and neglect turning to the one who truly can give you assistance in your life. I love this psalm. If, you, if, if you're looking for a life verse, let me just put this out before you today. Psalm 37, verse 23 it says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. Now notice how it's worded here. <coughs> it says that the Lord directs not the steps of everyone. It says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. And he delights in every detail of their life. If you are among us today, and you're a child of the living God. You are the, you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God is ready and willing by Jesus through the Spirit to direct your steps every single day of your life. And Jesus, if he's a wonderful counselor, he's ready to give you direction in your life. One of the ways that I pray over people often at this altar, it's a different version of this same verse, but it says this. It says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. The steps of the righteous, those who love God, who fear his commandments, who obey his word, the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Jesus gives us direction in our lives. And friend, that is a hope that every one of us needs. How many of you, I'm going to just tell a little bit of a story here, and then we're going to close. Um, how many of you would say that you oftentimes rely on Google Maps to get around? Come on, raise your hand. Or ways, okay, ways. How many use ways? Okay, I want to. Or some of you who are like iPhone loyals. No, I use Siri. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, we've got one hand out here. Praise the Lord. Google Maps. So how many have ever been to Dallas, Texas? Raise your hand. All right. Um, have you ever thought to yourself, those of you, most of us use Google Maps and use those, I'll just broaden it, use those, um, the map apps on your phone 
How many of you have ever, when driving to a location, have ever wondered to yourself, how did we ever find anything before Google Maps? <laughs> right? Like going on vacation, driving to Georgia, we go to Florida, like, did you, did you ever wonder to yourself, how did I ever do this with a, a Rand McNally Atlas? Some of you don't even know that reference. You're just too young. But remember the book atlases? They had, they had the states and then they had the city blown up. <clears throat> I, I sometimes wonder, how did I ever survive and find anything without Google Maps? So if you've been to Dallas, Texas, you maybe know where this goes. Like Dallas, Texas, so our son Lucas was in, in Plano, Texas, right above Dallas for a summer internship at a church this past summer. And we visited in, in Dallas and I, I think the highway infrastructure in Dallas is probably some of the most complex highway systems anywhere on earth. It was truly like mind-boggling, the, the, the on-ramps and the spaghetti junctions and all the different, it was craziness. I'm like, how would you ever find your way around Dallas with a paper map? There's just no way. There was, there was literally in Dallas, through the heart of the city, there's, a, there's an interstate that has an interstate under it. They're like stacked highways. I'm like, what are, what's wrong with you people? But I guess the, the, the city grew so fast that they couldn't get, there wasn't enough traffic flows. They had to build a highway on top of the highway. There's literally a five-lane highway underground in Dallas. And that's a problem for Google Maps because it doesn't read, it doesn't know which one you're on, right? You're on the highway going the same way. It only knows this way. It doesn't know this way. So anyway, different story. So listen, I came across this story this week. Um, the New York Post in 2019 published an article about a, an island off the coast of Italy. It's called the Island of, of Sardinia. And a, yep, somebody knows Sardinia? Raise your hand if you know where, you know Sardinia? Wow. So, so in 2019, the New York Post published an article about this island in Sardinia, and they said that Google Maps so misled people. Now, again, I, I generally trust Google Maps. I think it's been pretty successful getting me to places I want to go. But in 2019, there were, must have been hikers and people on vacation and tourists. They were trusting Google Maps. In 2019, 144 people on the island of Sardinia were so misdirected by Google Maps that they had to call 911 to get found. That crazy? Look it up, right? It's bizarre. <coughs> 144 people on the island of Sardinia were so misled by Google Maps that they had to call 911, and every one of them was rescued by emergency services in 2019. Can I tell you, church, that there is one who will never lead you astray? Google Maps, Siri, Waze, <clears throat> they may lead you astray, but there's one. There's one who will never lead you astray. <clears throat> Excuse me. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world. He is the hope of our lives. And he, my friend, will never, ever, ever lead you astray. He is a wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He's everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. And as a wonderful counselor, he is here to assist you. He's here to comfort you. He's here to heal your soul. And he's here to give you direction in your life. In fact, I believe that some of the ways that we feel the most anxiety in life is when we're trying to make a decision that has any kind of significance in our lives. We get worn out and tired and weary over, I don't know what to do, I'm, I'm conflicted, I'm torn, do I do A or B? How many of us need direction in our lives? Jesus never fails. 
Jesus gives us direction in our lives. He's the wonderful, he's the wonderful counselor. He's not a wonderful counselor. He is the wonderful counselor. Let me bring this morning to a close for some of you. I, I, I imagine if you've ever gone to a counselor, you know this to be true. You need an appointment. You can't just, generally speaking, you can't do a walk-in. You can't just show up at a counselor's office and expect to be seen. It's unlikely that they would have an opening. You need an appointment. Can I tell you today that some of you, I believe, are here today by divine appointment. You're here and you have an appointment with the wonderful counselor. Why is that true? Because he has made an appointment for you. The Bible teaches us that every, every single person that ever lives has an eternal soul. You and I are eternal creatures. We have a start but no end. We will live and spend eternity in one of two places. The Bible is very clear. You will either spend eternity in the presence of God for all of eternity, enjoying his presence and enjoying your existence, or you will spend eternity outside of the presence of God in a place the Bible describes as a lake of fire where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's the good news. God gives you the choice where you'll spend eternity. He gives you the, the option to choose. Will I spend eternity in the presence of the living God who loves me with an everlasting love and who is for me and who is with me? Or will I reject his offer of eternal life and spend eternity shut out from his presence? The choice is yours. And I want to give you a chance right now today. I believe that some of you are here by divine appointments. You have an appointment with the wonderful counselor. And he's ready to save and redeem your soul. The Bible says that God's son, Jesus Christ, is what Christmas is all about. That Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph. He lived a sinless life. He eventually was crucified, hung on a cross, shed his blood as a payment for our sin. The Bible says he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit. He, has, he appeared to over 500 people alive after being dead. He ascended to the right hand of God, now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you this very moment. The Bible tells us that if I place my faith in that Jesus as the hope of my life, the Bible says I will be saved. My sins will be forgiven I become a new creation. I get born again. I become a child of the living God. And by making that choice, I've also chosen to spend eternity in the presence of God Almighty. And I want to give some of you the chance right now. I'd like to ask everybody just to bow your heads for one moment. Close your eyes in this room. Let's honor this moment. Everybody in this room, bowing your heads, closing your eyes. I'm going to count to the number three. And if you're in this room today and you've not You've not responded yet to Jesus' invitation to come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. If you've not responded to the invitation to receive eternal life, if you've not responded to his divine appointment today, I'm going to give you that chance. When I get to the number three, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, Scott, it's me. Pastor, it's me. I want to give my life today to Jesus. I don't want to go another day. I don't want to live another day on this earth without the wonderful counselor by my side. And I want to confess my sins and believe that God will save my soul. And when I get to the number three, you just slip your hand up and let me know. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip your hand up. Thank you, young lady. Anybody else? Thank you, young man. Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise your hand today. Raise your hand right now. Don't let another day go by without giving your heart to Jesus Christ. 
He is the hope of this world. He's the hope of Christmas. I see your hand, very top row. We have ushers that are going to walk around and give you a, a packet of information. Very f- second row up front here. Keep your hand up until somebody gets to you. Keep your hand up until somebody brings you a packet. And I'm going to pray a, a prayer with you just in just a second. Let me give you one more chance. We still have hands up. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, you know what, Pastor? It's me today. I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to go another day without the wonderful counselor leading my life. Pastor, remember me when you pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. I hope you'll pray with me. Those of you who raise your hand, pray this prayer. Just repeat after me. Everybody sitting near you is going to say these words as well as a show of support for your decision to give your life to Jesus today. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now to do what no one else can do. On this Sunday, I give my life to Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the hope of the world. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that Jesus died on a cross and paid for my sins that I could become a child of God. And now help me, Lord, to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, can we celebrate those who gave their life to God today? Come on. So if you raised your hand today, this is, for you, maybe the most important part of this service. Um, in this bag are a couple of things. There's a, um, a, a card there about our groups. There's a card there that says, need help. You know, I want to encourage you. Jesus not only says, come to me, but he also invites you to be, become a part of the family of God. And there's great help by being connected to the community of believers here at GT. So there's a card here that would be helpful to you if you have any of those needs. There's a book here called Getting Started. If you made that decision today, and if you're online, there's a link in the chat. You can fill out that link and we'll follow up with you, I promise. Somebody will be in touch with you and help you take your steps on this journey of following Christ. Uh, In this room today, if you got this bag, you have this book called Getting Started. Uh, It just kind of describes and answers some of the questions you probably have. Like, okay, I went to church. I raised my hand. I prayed this prayer. What do I do now? I don't understand. Like, what happened? This book is going to be a great help to you in answering some of those questions. Then finally, in that packet is a small card. And I'd just like to ask you to take a moment before you leave this room, fill out this card. Uh, we want to just have a record of your decision. Why? Because we want to follow up with you. We want to walk beside you. We, again, God has given you now. If you get prayed that prayer, God already put his Holy Spirit inside of you. You already have the advocate, the comforter living inside of you right now because you gave your life to Jesus. But the church wants to come alongside of you as well. So fill this card out. And you're welcome to drop this off at the hub on your way out. But I would also ask you this. You know, I'd like to ask you, if you gave your life to Jesus today, fill this card out and bring it to us at the front of this altar. We would love to have a conversation with you. We'd love to pray with you today. We'd love to congratulate you on your decision to become a child of God. And so before you leave today and you you get this card, fill it out, bring it to one of our prayer team members, one of our pastors at the front of this altar and hand this to us and say, listen, I gave my life to Jesus today. We are gonna celebrate with you. We wanna pray with you. We wanna believe God that he is God. The best is yet to come for you and your life today. So go ahead and stand with me. We're gonna close in prayer today.
I hope that you'll join me next Sunday as we explore Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God next Sunday, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let me pray. Father, today I'm so grateful. God, so grateful for the more than a dozen people in this room who raised their hand, who prayed a prayer to invite Jesus Christ as the hope of the world to come into their lives and to change them from the inside out. Thank you, God, that their sins have been forgiven, that their name has been written in heaven, that they are now a child of the living God. I pray, God, that they would begin to see the world, God, through new eyes. They begin to understand your presence in their life, that they would sense, God, that you are now living inside of them by your Holy Spirit. And I pray that all of us, God, would throughout the week be reminded that Jesus is a wonderful counselor who comes to help us and comfort us and heal us and give us direction in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would bless your people today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you so much.